Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by The Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of November 6th, 2022, Aaron and I open up a treasure trove of weird Canadiana. Our discussion will feature the best and the worst of Canada's 2022 trick-or-treating-related news stories. We'll talk about the great neighbor who kicked in his neighbor's door late at night. And, well, we'll question the artistic merit of Jizzy jewelry. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport, you're very smiley tonight. What's, what's gotten you in such a great mood? I smile at the start of every recording, so please don't differentiate this between other episodes, please. You're just, you're always this smiley and happy, and that's that's good. It's great to get this this side of you, because I've seen Dark Aaron. You have seen, yeah, and... Don't want him on this show. No, he wasn't hired uh, by the Queen to keep Canada weird. (laughs) No, that's exactly uh, He's to be left in the darkness and the shadows. Uh, speaking of the queen, uh, Queen Romana Digilo, the self-declared queen, was uh, a surprise visit to Halifax just yesterday. Um, yesterday. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful day yesterday in Halifax. Despite it being November, yesterday was November 5th. It was like mm-hmm. 20 degrees. And yeah, it was warm here too. It was yeah, crazy. The queen it's did. warm um, today too. Today yeah, is warm. It's bizarre. I don't know if it's global warming or something different, well, but I'll take you know. t-shirt weather in November. Because I've like we've worn winter jackets on Halloween before, so you know t-shirts in November is great. But uh, the Queen, she was here in Halifax. I didn't get a chance to go see her, but her uh, mm-hmm. she she was parked on the side of uh, or in a parking lot of Canadian Tire with a huge sign that said like Romana, Her Royal Majesty Romana Digilo meet and greet. But meet was M E A T. M E A T. Yeah, yeah. Pork and grease. How could how could you make that mistake? But it's an amazing. How could you make it? Well, just you know. The education system. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you make it. Yeah. Mm. Maybe so. it was just a backhanded way of her saying, like, I'm going to fix this country's education Or maybe system. it was like kind of um, a metaphor for uh, I'm bringing the meat of the topics, you know, and we're going to chew on those topics. Like, that, 
yeah you know a, a uh-huh. medium rare steak mm. so Maybe? it's like it's a, well, it could be it's a meet and greet but don't think you're just going to stand around here and meet her we're going to be talking about the issues no we're going to chew the fat <laughs> which would be not talking about the issues I don't get the analogy. If you were like, say, if, uh, if you and I were going to have a talk and I said, we're just going to mm-hmm. chew the fat together, would that mean we're just going to like shoot the SHIT or would that mean we're going to talk about issues? Uh, in this circumstance, it yeah. means exactly what I implied it to mean. So I think I'd like to move forward. Okay, let's move on. Uh, is yeah, there anything thanks. new in your life over the past week that you feel is worthy of sharing with the listeners of Keep Canada Weird? You know, I don't I don't care for this question every week you ask us. Um, in fact, it bothers me. And okay. it's none of your business. My, you know, the, the listeners and, and viewers of Keep Canada Weird come here for weird news stories and not to hear about the non-weird things that happen in my life. Well... I beg to differ. I'm going to play oh, you a voicemail. This, oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this one uh, is, I didn't plan wow. this. This is this is a voicemail that just came in this morning from okay. a okay. displaced Cape Retner, who I, I dare say she would care to hear about what you've been up to. Okay. This past week. All right. I'm curious. I'm very curious. Let's hear it. Jordan and Aaron, I just wanted to say thank you so much for keeping Canada weird. I love listening to you guys. I am from Cape Breton. I don't know how. I don't know you guys. I'm from Sydney, um, but I moved away over 20 years ago. And I think we're around the same age. Like, listening to you guys talk about Gil Holmes Lake and stuff just really pulled at my heartstrings. I just long for Cape Breton again. But you know how it is. Um, Someday I'll be able to move back. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing what you do for keeping Canada weird and just for the chuckles. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Isn't that nice? There's no typos, yeah. no uh, place yeah. names we got wrong. Just like a nice message. And that voice sounded familiar. I was trying to place it, but I guess if she knew either of us, she would have said something, but mm-hmm. um, we don't yeah, know many normally- people. Yeah, normally we get voicemails about, oh, you mispronounced this and that, and you're stupid. And Well, I you're... think that the reason she likes us is because she's also from Cape Breton. So the places that we name that she would know, we're getting right. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the people who can't stand us are the people who don't live in the same place as us. Because if we talk about where they're from, we just butcher it. We do, yeah. But so. we know a lot or enough about our general vicinity that... Yeah, a small, you know, like sparsely populated yeah. island on the far east of Canada. Yeah, we know that yeah, that yeah. much. We um, do, yeah. Well, let's get into it. We got a loaded uh, plate. We got a stacked plate. We have a. We got a lot of meat to chew. We got a lot of meat to chew. We got. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna call it. We got the good and the bad of 2022 trick or treating news stories. We're gonna talk about jizzy jewelry. And then we'll ra- maybe we'll wrap it up with the story of a good neighbor. I was thinking about Jizzy Jewelry being the closer, but oh, like sure. the yeah. what's it called? Like a, a happy finish, happy ending, a happy ending. Yeah, that'll be the happy ending. Not that I know much about those. Um, yeah, let's not go there. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, or save it for the Jizzy Jewelry. Yeah, story. save it, save it yeah. for that. So every year generally a day or two after halloween 
is when you start getting the stories about like trick-or-treating gone wrong, weird crap in candy, Mm -hmm. all sorts of like strange things like that. Um, I have a feeling each year as Keep Canada Weird goes on, our first episode in November will be an opportunity to highlight these stories of of trick-or-treating gone wrong. Or gone right. Or gone, yeah, both of those Uh, things. Since um, this is going to serve as a bit of a cautionary tale, I'm going to bring my my boy in here who is a seasoned mm. trick-or-treater. You want to say hi to everybody? Hello. Our Halloween correspondent. He knows all about trick-or-treating. He's gone door-to-door. He's taken candy from strangers. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not too worried about him, though, because this year we did have like a sort of candy trick-or-treating close call, but he knew what to do. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's one house not too far from us. You went up to the door. Actually, we didn't go to the house because they didn't have lights on. But then the owner of the house came running out saying, trick or treat here, trick or treat here. So we went back (laughs) to their house and she took a selfie with him. Okay. She pulled him aside and took a selfie, which is kind of weird for a stranger to do. And then she gave you what was unique about the candy she gave you. It was like in a cup and it didn't have a wrapper. She, it was like a bunch of jelly beans and like a shot glass. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, he, I think you knew that that wasn't cool. Yeah. And we, I think we dumped them on the ground somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. Um, In front of her house. Or you threw them back at her. We threw them at her. Damn your unwrapped beans, woman. Um, Plant them yourself. So I'm not grow too. Grow your jelly. I'm not too concerned about him being like i don't know victimized in some way at halloween but needless to say in canada this year just like every other year some weird stuff ended up in some kids candy i'm not surprised yeah well no you're gonna be you may be surprised when we get into it here dom this uh this story takes place in winnipeg here's what's going Mm. on Parents are being urged to check their kids' Halloween treats tonight after Winnipeg police received at least half a dozen reports of children getting cannabis edibles in their candy bags. All of the reports so far are from the city's South Tuxedo neighborhood. The product came in packaging that looks like candy, but the label says it contains 600 milligrams of THC. Standing by with the details for us tonight is CTV's Josh Crabb. So Josh, do police know if any kids consumed these THC candies? According to Winnipeg Police and Shared Health, no children have been harmed from getting and eating the edibles, but RCMP in British Columbia say a child who got a similar product ate the THC candy and ended up in hospital. What started as a fun night trick-or-treating with friends in South Tuxedo ended with a disturbing discovery for Jocelyn Cordero's nine-year-old daughter. And so she picked it up and looked at it and then she said, 60-minute activation time, what does that mean? That's when Cordero took the package and realized the product, called Medicated Nerds Rope Bites, which look like candy, is actually labeled as containing THC, the main psychoactive substance in cannabis that makes people feel high and can be harmful to children. I can't even imagine what it would have meant if if she had opened it and eaten it and then gone to bed. 
Cordero contacted other families who they'd been trick-or-treating with, took to social media to alert others, and called the Winnipeg Police Service. She says four out of the five kids in the group got edibles. Officers say so far they've received six reports from the South Tuxedo neighborhood about kids getting similar THC candy, but police say they still have to do testing on the products. We're treating it as a serious incident and we're treating it as if it is actually um, a cannabis substance that's been distributed to children. Constable Danny McKinnon says the product came packaged in sandwich bags with full-size chocolate bars. Recreational cannabis products, including edibles, can be sold legally in Canada, but they must be packaged in a plain-looking child-resistant container with restrictions on logos, colors, and branding. These particular candied items that we have uh, seized, they do not meet those requirements. So at this stage, we do not know where these packages are from. The product is advertised as containing 600 milligrams of THC, which one expert in pharmacology and therapeutics describes as a very large amount. In British Columbia, Richmond RCMP say a child consumed a similarly labeled product after trick-or-treating on Halloween night and had to be taken to hospital, but police there say so far it appears to be an isolated incident as no other reports have been received. It's so much more important that people, that the word is out, that people know, just in case, because I would hate to think of what might happen. Let's get my, uh, the boys take on it first. As a, mm. uh, a newly minted 10 year old, uh, does that, does that mean anything to you, bud? Do you even know what's happening there? People stink. People do stink people in stink, essence. Yeah. Um, but they so weren't giving out deodorant. In they the weren't giving out deodorant. Yeah. So it's not going to help with that. No. They gave out, um, <laughs> almost like it's almost like if they had given out juice but really there was wine in there so juice labeled as like you know marketed as if it was for kids um luckily in this case the parents got to go through their candy and noticed it i guess much like and that's why i tell you when i'm at night when i open up your candy and i'm eating it and tasting it and trying it, <laughs> uh, that's just because i'm trying to keep you safe especially when you got coffee crisp no. I keep you. I keep very safe. Your Even if there was stuff in the coffee with fun, probably still eat it. Yeah, and that's that was one thing with this story here. They packaged it with a full size chocolate bar. That's what I wanted to focus on with this story. Is you know that's in the Ziploc bag was the THC candy, the nerds, but also two full size chocolate bars, a full size Snicker, and a full size Mars. Like the Trojan horse, right? That gets them in the door. Like the kids are going to see that. And they're like, when I was young, uh, um, you know, Dom's age, trick or treating, there was this kind of uh, wealthier neighborhood, you know, up the road from me that I used to go to to trick or treat because they were wealthier. They gave out the full size bars. So you would think the demographic that are handing out full size bars wouldn't be the same demographic that would be inclined to hand out uh, weed gummies or THC but candy. Who can afford to hand out THC candy, though, even if it's like a prank or something like that? I don't wealthy, know what that's right. They, so yeah, that's, the, that's the sign. The full size bars in the Ziploc bag is a sign that this is a wealthier person, you mm. know, upper middle class, at least. That Someone is handing this out. Yeah, like this whole Halloween, you got one full-size bar. Yeah. And your brother got one, and then you ended up trading a bunch of chips for it, so you ended up with two full-size bars. No, I didn't end up trading a bunch of chips, a bunch of random stuff. Okay. Random stuff, yeah. Not Long even session. Halloween stuff, just... 
Um, a towel. But this is a cautionary tale for you, bud. So when I start going through your candy, don't be like, Dad, don't eat my stuff. I'm doing parenting, okay? Okay. Okay, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Um, Aaron, yeah. the adults are in the room now. Okay, yeah. Well, you can take you, it up a notch now. Do you have any idea what that would cost? Like a, be- like a, t- a bag of THC nerds? Like, would that be 20 bucks or something? Well, here's the thing. Um, yeah, at least. And also... They're handing it out not just to one kid. They're handing it out to the kids in the neighborhood. So this is like, again, it's the kind of household that that can give out two full-size bars mm-hmm. per trick-or-treater plus THC candy. That's someone who's well-to-do. This is not just like, you know, you're trick-or-treating in some kind of area and and, and that's, you know, maybe low-income and... And you come across like kind of a shady house and they're handing out some questionable treats or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe they're like homemade kind of weed brownies or something. But um, yeah. this is this is like expensive there's, there's, stuff. Something's going on. And when I hear these stories, for one, I, I don't really ever think they're true. I always kind of question them. Like, is this someone looking mm-hmm. to get in the news or some, you know, one prank, like some stupid thing one person did one time. But in this case, like you said, there's like f- at least five or six incidents that have been reported, according to that news report. Uh, if they're, you know, whatever, $10, $15 a bag, mm-hmm. I don't I cannot imagine what their motivation for doing this was. However, we will probably learn because very quickly after that report spread, and now these these kinds of stories about you know weird stuff in Halloween candy they go viral every year immediately yeah. after they're printed and or, or issued or whatever. In this case, surprisingly enough, and I I don't know if I've ever heard of this happening, but it led to an arrest. They ended up finding the people. Here's yeah, the, yeah, that's the, that's the here's the update. Here. Mm-hmm. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Winnipeg police have arrested and charged two people after some children in the South Tuxedo neighborhood got a shocking surprise in their Halloween candy bags Monday night. Let's bring in Kevin Hirschfield now with more on the charges. Kevin? Well, Lisa, police ended up receiving more than a dozen reports of THC nerds candies being found in treat bags on Halloween night. And just two days later, they've tracked down two people allegedly responsible for handing them out. A 53-year-old woman and 63-year-old man were arrested at a home on Coleraine Crescent. They now face more than 50 charges relating to distributing cannabis to young people, distributing illegal cannabis, and administering an item that could cause bodily harm. Police say kids between the ages of six and 16 received the edibles. They haven't confirmed if any of the children actually ingested them. Now, testing still needs to be done on the gummies, but investigators believe the candies do actually contain THC and are the real thing. So now the question is, why did these pair hand them out? Well, Constable Danny McKinnon says the motive is still unclear. I don't think that we are going to be able to provide anything really concrete today. Um, In meeting with the investigative team, though, I can say investigators believe that nobody was intentionally targeted. Now, word spread quickly after images of the candies were posted by parents on social media the morning after Halloween. And Constable McKinnon says police are thankful with how fast the community acted. 
Now, this is one time where I would like to say social media did a great job. They quickly spread the news to a small community member, and those people very quickly called the police. That's not often the case. Sometimes social media is just used to report to the social, to the social masses, but not to the police. The plot thickens. So yes, it does. Yeah. Few, few things there. For one, uh, in, in that news report, you can see the neighborhood just like you predicted. It's like, I'd say, upper middle class neighborhood. Yeah, and it's an older couple. Yeah, fifty something, sixty something, sixties. Like that's this isn't a frat house that they were trick or treating at, where it's like, hey, dude, yeah. trick or treat. Yeah, Use and the it's weed. They uh, they said I think it was like fifty ish charges. Although each time each time they handed out the candy that can be proven there's probably a few charges that go along with each incident when they read the charges yeah. one you know like one for distributing one for like risking the kids health and all this stuff so it's not to say they they've been caught passing it out 50 times but no certainly no. like you know the law is coming for them but there was one statement in that report that made me just wonder what the hell they said the, the cop who was talking doing the press conference or whatever said what we can say at this point is that no one seems to have been targeted now my question yeah. is does that mean they weren't targeting certain children or does that mean this whole thing was like some bizarre accident and they didn't mean to do this i took it as like no one personally was targeted like this was just uh them handing out thc candy to whoever's going to come to the door like it mm -hmm. wasn't like a personal kind of attack on one individual kind of thing yeah that's how uh, i took it i could be wrong but. yeah well th that's kind of how i took it too but then i just think well why would they say that in the press release because it's like i think everyone's probably assuming that they were giving it out to kids that were trick-or-treating not to just the bad kids in the neighborhood or something um but yeah it's uh it's scary when you hear it's pe mm -hmm. people who received it between the ages of six and 16 there's a huge difference a 16 year old eats an edible and they're going to have a weird night a six-year-old yeah. like and you know so, uh, six at that age like there's six-year-olds six that are you know tall there's six-year-olds that are really tiny and my kids are always on the smaller side so when my kid was six both of them look more like they're like you know four you know in terms of weight and, and this my, is not like this is not a small dosage of thc either no you yeah know, on the is, package it even it's says 600 like that's that's incredibly high yeah and it's even marketed on the package it's like you know whatever nerds rope dope or something and then it says like super potent formula so yeah, like for yeah. an adult this would be like i'm gonna get really high 600 would put me completely out i don't know because i've tried some you know weed gummies in the past and they were like 20 25 okay you know like mm. um i remember my sister had one and she could hardly walk <laughs> she was so high off of it uh, and the 600 like that's just like you know the mothership is coming to get me and i'm just like you know me and the cult are taking 600 you mm. know together what yeah but for like a six-year-old eight-year-old ten-year-old it'd be awful yeah what would it do awful. to them i guess that it would be a hospital thing i don't yeah i guess it'd be maybe i don't know i don't know much about that end of it but but it would certainly be a bad scene and, and then on top of that say like oh, the way it works for a lot of kids is they get home they open their candy they're just digging and eating a bunch of crap if that happened yeah uh, 
like and the kids started freaking out and like or getting sick or something you would just assume he just had too much Ate candy too much candy yeah yeah and then and especially I, if they eat the weed gummies first and then they get really high and then they gorge on the candy because they're so high oh what a mess like these people i um people need to like that they need to figure out what had happened and if it was intentional like if they did this being like i'm going to give a bunch of kids mm-hmm. super potent thc edibles man they need to throw the book at these people like that's crazy yeah yeah it's definitely a really bad i mean this is a tale as old as time somewhat with halloween because when we were kids you would get like baked goods often as Mm. treats for halloween like when i was a kid candy apples homemade fudge Mm -hmm. homemade cookies like and they'd be wrapped in saran wrap or in ziploc bags and and you ate them Mm-hmm. that was there was no debate about it the, you know? the, yeah the fear when we were kids like what people would say is that they would put like razor blades and apples yeah. yeah or nails or little things like that and it's and i'm sure our parents probably like 30 something years ago had the same conversation we're having now about like some guy out west who got caught putting like a nail in an apple or mm-hmm. something but i think the difference in this story is they got the person they have the evidence they had them arrested they need to just nail them to the wall in um to, to show that people care about these kind of urban legends and save halloween for future years because it's yeah very easily a kid could have popped open the a bag of those nerds and just one handful of them pop chop chucked it in their mouth and like you know and died that night oh the like entire yeah, easily bag or whatever you know taking yeah. it all at once and um you yeah, know. well, we'll see what happens, but I think uh, hopefully the news follows it and they don't just let it go because a story like that's going to be a big deal on you know uh, November third, not such a big deal on you know March fifth when it finally ends up in court. Yeah, and it's not surprising, like you know, knowing that when weed became legal here in Canada and edibles, things like that, and you know, edible gummies and candy and suckers and all the different ways that you could put you know weed into treats like the whole kind of um battle's been trying to get it out of the hands of kids right Mm -hmm. candy is so enticing to kids and you know between kids eating tide pods and thc lace candy it's like what can the kids eat anymore i know it's tough being a kid yeah eh? Um, everything looks delicious yeah there was it. We don't need to go deep into this, but there's a there's also a dark story about uh, trick or treating out of Alberta. This one is um, it was like a little like Ziploc bag or sandwich bag or whatever with a cut with two packs of Sour Patch Kids like gummies, but in there there was also like these brown chunks and um, mm-hmm. they're they're presuming which and I think that means they're assuming, but they haven't proved yet. They believe it to be fentanyl. Yeah, that's even that's way worse than uh, it seems to be so far. It seems to be an isolated incident. There's just one report of this as far as I could see. But that's, yeah, you know, that's a whole nother level. A kid eats a and it was an open package, too, with like pieces of what could appear to be chocolate, maybe. But yeah, turned out to be fentanyl. Uh, or I don't know if they've proven it yet. I think it was like they're assuming, or it's a suspected positive or something. Whatever they they're using the word presumed, a presumed presumed hate. positive. Presum- yeah. yeah. So I guess we haven't done the test and we really haven't examined it at all. It's but probably I'm assuming fentanyl. it's yeah. yeah maybe I'm it ended up maybe it'll end up positive. being. It's probably chocolate. 
Actually, no, it's, yeah, it's just uh, it's chunks. <laughs>
you know, be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So one lesson learned there is that you don't wear a diamond ring when you're loading up the treat bags or when you're passing out candy on Halloween night. And uh, how, what's the fit on this ring? Like that it could slip off like that. Like if this is a ring that she's been wearing for 30 years, she maybe how can... does it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, the, the loading the treats in the bag is not a very rigorous activity. That no, way. it's not like she's, you know, swinging her arms wildly and, and, and uh, yeah. banging her hand against the door trying to do this. Like you're just gently picking up treats and dropping them in bags. Mm. So how does a ring that she's worn for so many years just slip off like that? That should yeah. be fitted well to her finger, right? It needs to be refitted. You know what? I think there's something more to the story that, that she's not explaining. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was her ring. To be perfectly honest, I think she just recently acquired this ring through, you know, possibly illegal methods. I don't know. Oh, maybe a kid knocked on her door and said, I found this ring last night when trick-or-treating. Did you lose a ring? And, and then, then the she lady said, was like, yeah, well, I did. I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, a gift from my husband. 30 years. Give it to me. <laughs> and she talked to very deep voice as well. That's no, a gift from my husband. It was, yeah. <laughs> well, let, we're not going to get to the bottom of that. For now, let's let that be a happy no, story. No, uh, we but... will blindly accuse her of stealing that ring either before or after mm-hmm. the kid found it. The next story. So so that was a, a cautionary tale maybe about removing your ring when you're putting uh, putting the treats out. But I think another lesson we could learn uh in this episode of keep canada weird is that if someone is at your door in the middle of the night trying to kick it down it's not necessarily a bad thing they may have something important to tell you something useful something that'll Mm -hmm. protect you let's hear about the story of a good neighbor who kicked down their neighbor's door in alberta family is praising a neighbor for kicking in their door in the dead of night last weekend. The family's house was on fire. And as Jeremy Thompson reports, some quick thinking and feet of strength may have saved lives. It's a frantic 4 a.m. visit. A doorbell cam captures a man desperately trying to wake up the family inside this home as flames roar in the background on the house next door. There was a big bang at the door. I woke my wife up. She woke me up. Mike Champagne, his wife and two kids, thought a burglar was trying to get inside. Turns out it was a benevolent break-in. You guys! He came out of nowhere and could could possibly have saved our lives. Champagne says the Good Samaritan is Travis Levitsky, a neighbor he's never met before. He actually went to the other house first, so the house on the east side of the house that was burning, woke them up first, and then came to our house. Levitsky happens to have a history of good deeds. He raised $15,000 for Lloydminster Kidsport this summer through the Ice Wars Hockey Fight Contest in Edmonton. His 6'3", 300-plus pound frame, helpful in both scenarios. Lloydminster Fire says everyone in all three houses, including a dog, made it out uninjured. Champagne's siding is melted and there's smoke damage inside, but his mind is focused on the help his family got 
from a stranger. A lot of love, a lot of people calling him a hero. I call him a hero. Uh, the man, the man is, is a good man in my books. That guy, um, mm -hmm. booting at the door. A part of me I don't know what's scarier, the fire or this guy. Or the madman booting at the door. I would be terrified. And I'm thinking, like, he's lucky he didn't get shot. Like, in, in, the, in a lot of, kicking the door like that in the middle of the night at a lot of houses would get you shot. Um, yeah. But I but, guess in the moment, you know, he's like, he's just doing what he has to do. Yeah. They're like, these people are lucky that they had a neighbor that, was ready to spring into action like that. I don't know what I would do, I guess, unless I was actually in that situation. But um, for one, you I don't think, think I would have ran like you wouldn't have done anything. No, I don't. Well, for one, I don't think I'd be able to kick the door down. I would just be no, kicking I would the door. be questioning my kicking methods as well. Like, I'm sure I, like what I would be doing is kicking the door. This guy straight up kicked the door in. Yeah, like off the hinges booted it. Um, while ringing the doorbell and you get the video that they shared like from the ring or the video doorbell you get such a great shot because you see the guy kicking the door this big guy with a hood up then you see the home behind him with flames ripping out of it mm. like that's a crazy shot to capture um but it's it's pretty impressive like uh, it's good to have a neighbor like that i think uh sometimes i complain about my neighbor who's a little hands-on with um talking to me about you know the leaves and the property and stuff but i think uh this is maybe a reminder that you know having good neighbors that look out for each other is a that's an important thing yeah absolutely um you know i kind of i don't really talk to my neighbors too much but um i i did kind of notice though in the video when when the guy was talking the 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 guy who lived in the house. Yeah. He was saying, oh, he went to the other neighbors first. And <laughs> then he went and then he came over to our house. So he did make a point to say that. Mm. So I felt like there was a little underlying kind of cynicism there. Of, mm. um, he was had to go out of his way to mention like he did go to the other neighbors first and then eventually came over yeah, to ours like, and kicked out our yeah, door like, down too it's like if we're going to be praising this guy let's just be honest let's be honest it was a new door as well that <laughs> i had just gotten yeah when they were listing the damage uh, to the home they're like some of his siding was melted and there was a bit of smoke damage i wanted them to add in the front door was severely damaged and the front door was completely destroyed <laughs> by the 300 pound hockey fighter uh yeah and that's another funny kind of subplot in this is they show uh the guy has done the guy who kicked the door in had done good in the community before because he organized which i had no idea that this existed but mm -hmm. it looks like a canadian version of like mma or like ufc where it's two people in hockey gear with like yeah. ufc gloves on having a hockey fight <laughs> yeah yeah pulling the sweaters over each other's heads and just giving it to each other. Yeah. So he raised $15,000 for that. Yeah. Got brain damage or gave brain damage based on the size yeah, of him. I'm which saying I'm sure gave. is a very entertaining thing to watch. But, you know, is it really for the community or is it for 15 grand? There's worse stuff you could do, but it's. Uh... Yeah. There's worse things you could spend 15 grand on. But, uh, you know, hockey fights outside of a hockey game. It's Again, interesting. Well, I've told this story before. Hockey fights in a hockey game are a big deal. My son, who was on the show earlier this evening, he, uh, I don't, I think we won tickets. No, I, he wanted to go to a hockey game because all the kids at his school were talking about 
the Halifax Screaming Eagles, which are like a team in Halifax, a hockey team. All the yeah. kids in his class when he was in like grade Wait, one. Wait, what did you call them? The Halifax Screaming Eagles? No, it's the Cape no, Breton. It's the Cape Scream. Breton Screaming Eagles that are here. What are the Halifax? Then? Uh, Mooseheads or something? Maybe. Whatever the Halifax no, team is. Um, when my son was in like grade primary or one or something, the other guys in the class were always talking about the local hockey team and I don't mm. watch hockey. So he, it was all new to him, but all of his friends were into it. So he's like, we should go to a hockey game, dad. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And we looked online and there was a game like a couple days later. So we got tickets and I took him to his first hockey game and we got popcorn and pop and we're like sitting down watching the game and I'm, he doesn't know hockey. So I'm explaining the rules and how it's all working and we're like loving it. It's this great game. There's people in the stands near us cheering and there's all this excitement. And then all of a sudden this like horrifically violent hockey fight breaks out on the, mm. on the ice. The people near us, like behind us are like standing up, grown men shouting like, kill him kick the punches face it you know like just violent mm. screaming yeah the, they have the gloves down they're punching each other up against the boards my son immediately like i look down at him and he's just like white as a ghost and like uh, he, if he wasn't so upset he would have been crying and yeah. the hockey fight breaks out a break they break it up eventually the ref or whatever and give the people penalties and my son was just like get me out of here and we left mm. and my whole life, like I had a different view of hockey fights. After that experience, I was like, "No, hockey fights." Uh, they it's different have that. when you see it right in front of you. Like sometimes you can see it on TV so much that you become a little numb to it. But then when you see it right in front of you, especially being younger, and and you know, it's kind yeah. of shocking. He was like six at the time and he hadn't watched hockey, so he had no idea what was happening. And I think it was seeing it on the ice was one thing, but having the people around us like freak yeah, really out into the fight yeah. yeah yeah and it was like feels yeah. a bit chaotic i think yeah but anyway that's a that's a i guess only a small part of this story but regardless yeah, yeah. A, a tip of the keep canada weird hat to this neighbor who kicked in their other neighbor's door yeah let us all kick in our neighbor's doors for the right make reasons. sure they're okay <laughs> check in on them right how you doing <laughs> you know everything in fire i thought i smelled something no, it's just your cooking spaghetti. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to the main event here. Ah, yes, um, the main event. We both are wearing the closest thing to jewelry, I guess, that we're wearing is we both have earbud headphones in. Do you, you're not a big jewelry guy. I don't recall you ever wearing like. No, I've or... never. Other than like a few times in my life, I've had a watch. That's probably the closest thing to jewelry I've ever even that, ever had. I couldn't yeah. do it. I, having like a ring on my finger or a watch on my wrist, something around my neck, I would just fiddle with it. I can't even have a pencil because I will I will I chew the pencil, pencil and I'll bend it and I'll get ink on my hands and in my mouth. I'm mm. so fidgety. Like having a piece of jewelry on there on my hand would just drive me completely. I'd need to like take new medicine or something to be able to handle having something touching my body. Something well, I agree. new and pencils unusual. and jewelry, they're all very intense things. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of your sensory overload. Yeah, but this uh, this story is uh, uh, I, I've never been interested in jewelry. Uh, I'm not. I it's not at all a part of my life. It's nothing I ever care yeah. to talk about. You've made that clear. You've offended every Jeweler. jewelry wearer and producer 
in the country right now. But if you're going to do something this new and this unique with jewelry, I'll give you the time of day. And uh, yeah, this is more up your rally. This is an this story is about jizzy jewelry, unique jewelry in Ontario. Here's what's going on. At first glance, it looks like any other jewelry workshop. Machines turning, hands crafting, and employees hard at work. But what they're working on may catch you by surprise. We mainly are known for working with sentimental materials, um, things like ashes, breast milk. Uh, we've done umbilical cords, placenta capsules. And if that's too tame for you. Most recently, we've started incorporating semen and vaginal fluids into, <laughs> into jewelry pieces and sculptures. The newer additions to the jewelry line began as a joke after someone commented on one of Amanda Booth's social media videos asking if she'd ever worked with those substances. At first, she was offended, but gave it some thought and put out the question online to see if there would be any interest. And after being flooded with serious requests, it wasn't long before she started making jizzy jewelry. So, how does it all work? Whether it's memorial pieces using ashes or bodily fluid focused creations, there is a common material used among them all. So I am primarily a clay artist, so I usually fold in whatever material I'm working with, whether it's ashes um, or anything like that, and I mix it with translucent clay, so clients have to send in their own samples. Um, and then, again, we use the same kind of processing that we do for the breast milk to turn it into that powder. Um, and then once it's a powder, same kind of process, we incorporate it into the translucent clay and then sculpt it from there. Amanda and her colleagues use personal protective equipment to ensure everything is kept sterile. She says her client base is wide-ranging and she sees people of all ages, backgrounds and races. A lot of people who want to represent the intimacy and the passion that they have in their relationship. Um, some couples have really struggled through fertility um, and either they found out that they can't have kids or they finally had, um, you know, the, the kid that they were trying to, trying for. Amanda says she's thankful her creations can help represent a number of things in people's lives. I'm not going to judge anybody. Hey, no judgment here. If that's what you want to do with your sentimental materials. They're yours to do with somewhat with whatever however you please you know like within the structure of the law mm -hmm. but there's no law against making jewelry making out of jewelry out of it no absolutely not you can't just fling your specimens at anyone or anything that you want but you can certainly make it into jewelry mm -hmm. uh i'm surprised there's a demand for this i get the ashes one like a, you know, you had. I totally get that one. Yeah, you have a loved totally one who's cremated, and mixing the ash with clay to make jewelry. Like that's, I think that's a really cool idea. The mm. the breast milk, I don't, I don't get that necessarily. Yeah, I'm not sure I can make the connection there, but I'm sure there's a good reason. Yeah, I'm sure someone would have a good reason. And then when you get into the semen and vaginal fluid. Uh, it seems like in her talk there with the, the news broadcaster, it seemed to be a lot about fertility and infertility and things like that mm. is maybe what some of the meaning is for people. So I don't I don't know if I could understand that from my point of view, but um, it is odd, I think, and unusual and weird. But it's like she is a artist uh, who found her niche 
people, you know, if, if you want something made with your sentimental fluids, you're probably going to have a hard time finding somebody. And looking at the sample she shared, she has like an Instagram and a TikTok, I think. Mm-hmm. I looked at some of the stuff she made. It's very nice stuff. Like it, even yeah. if it didn't have these sentimental materials embedded in them um, in however, you know, whatever process she talks about, she's good at what she does and she's providing a service to people who are looking for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is a good way for her to obviously get attention for her jewelry as well, you know, having this unique aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first saw the article for this and it was like Jizzy Jewelry, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's why would the author of this article use that title? It's making it sound like, you know, someone's making jewelry at a semen. And then I read the article. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, it's what it reminded me of is so you and I are both uh, devoted fans of the Canadian outsider artist Tonetta. Oh, Tonetta, yes. Uh, Tonetta is a, I don't know, 70 year old man ish now in, in Ontario who is primarily known for writing and recording music and filming music videos and putting them up online. But something Tonetta has done um, to make, I guess, crowdfund money or to make some money to fund his creative projects is he was selling things that he made out of his own semen. And he was selling nail clippings for a while there and Mm -hmm. all sorts of weird things. But I remember he was mixing like his semen with gelatin or something and making things out of it and selling it. And I was like, that's such a bizarre thing. But then when I heard this, I was like, oh, Tanetta was doing that a few years But ago. when it's a celebrity's sample, I even though I have no desire to own jewelry with anyone's semen or vaginal fluids in it, mm-hmm. for the record, mm-hmm. but um, I can understand, at least wrap my mind around the idea that you know, say Axel Rose, just for the first celebrity to come to my head for some reason. Um, you know, a fanatic fan would want jewelry made from the semen of Axel Rose. I can I at least wrap my mind around that. Weird. So, are what you is what you're so what you are saying is you think there's an opportunity for this artist to make jizzy jewelry in partnership with like celebrity, celebrity, like kind of like a licensing agreement. I don't know if it's a licensing agreement or, yeah, I guess depending on how much sample the celebrity is willing to provide, um, you know, but that think of the amount of publicity she would get if she partnered with Justin Trudeau, our prime minister. Yeah. And he provided his semen for jewelry. His critics would love that. Could you imagine the conspiracy theorists? Yeah, I could. Uh, there's a lot, lot I could imagine. <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll see do. that partnership, but if it happens, no, no. oh man, like I'm there for the fallout. But maybe a maybe like a Jean Chrétien or something like or I think more so it would have to be like an artist who's really on the cutting edge of uh, you know, pushing the boundaries. I could see someone doing it just to be completely Like nuts. a Marilyn Manson type. Uh, I I could see Kanye West doing it. You know, right now I can see Kanye West doing anything. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't put anything past it. But someone like like that, like controversial. Who and speaking of Kanye West, why is it that like every year or two years, it's almost like there's it, it could be like mapped on a like a cosmic uh, graph where like when the stars line up this way, one celebrity will just go completely 
wild so we had like charlie sheen for like a couple weeks like everything in the news was just like the crazy thing charlie sheen did that way that day Mm -hmm. now is like that's what happened now with kanye west it's like when he couldn't be more um disgusting and horrific he just tops it the next day yeah well kanye west is just constantly trying to keep himself in the conversation Mm -hmm. you know for the for the good or the bad like he's just you know, if people stop talking about Kanye, Kanye's going to say something completely insane and get himself back in the news again within no time. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you're right. Kanye could be a good partnership with Jizzy Jewelry. Uh, or, but I think Marilyn Manson would be more. He had like at the time when he was huge, he had the right kind of audience that would buy. and. Oh, absolutely. That would have actually been a legitimate good pairing, mm-hmm. you know, in the late 90s um was marilyn manson and jizzy jewels or jewelry I said yeah jewels. well if jizzy jewelry is looking for someone uh i can say i'm not interested would you consider it aaron would you want something like this made everyone has their price so i wouldn't say no but what i would say is is it would it would have it would be we would have to negotiate quite a price tag for me to be um mailing handing out my sample for for jewelry but um i don't think it's not a no it's not a hard no okay but it's a probably no Hello, listeners. I'm sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to give you a heads up on a slight change in nighttime's release schedule going forward. To add additional value to the premium feed and to get in line with how many other podcasters operate their premium feeds, starting immediately, all episodes of Nighttime will be released and available two days early exclusively on the premium feed. If you're listening on the free feed now, you'll still continue to get all the regular episodes just as you have been. The only difference is that they'll be released on a slight delay. If you're listening on the premium feed, nothing's going to change. You'll continue to get the bonus content as I create it, and you'll get the regular episodes literally minutes after I finish them. So with all that said, let's get back to the episode, but for those interested, if you aren't already taking advantage of the benefits of the premium feed, you can go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. I want to make one short call out to the listeners. I received an email uh, from a listener sharing us a story of something that happened in Tim Hortons, uh, I think in Ontario over the last week. And I was going to feature it on the show, but in researching it, I stumbled upon several recent Tim Hortons stories. And rather than kind of jamming them in this episode, I think in the next few weeks, we're going to have one entire episode that will be focused on Tim Hortons related stories over the last say five years or so. Mm-hmm. So what my call out to the audiences is if anyone has a local news story from where you are, or if you know of a story of something that happened in a Tim Hortons in your community uh, within the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, even uh, yeah, let we us don't want to hear too much about, you know, the, the Virgin Mary appearing on Tim Hortons and Bredore Cape Breton. Mm-hmm. I already did that one, but that's already been covered to death. You want to hear about some other Tim Horton stories? Let us know. uh, Cause we're, we're coming for you, Tim Hortons. Yeah. Well, we always have been, and we always will be, 
uh, holding Tim Hortons to task. Mm. That's one of the unofficial mandates we have here. Keep Canada weird. But between the trick-or-treating, the um, jizzy jewelry, do you think we did we do it tonight? Yeah, the man kicking in the door. It's, did we get? Did we at least help keep Canada a little weird? Do you think Donna, who we heard at the beginning of the call, would she have enjoyed this? Yeah, yeah, and I think by ending it with jizzy jewelry, I think we really put the cherry on top of weird Canada tonight. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, consider sending a sample. <laughs> Yeah, consider it. Let's 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 do a keep Canada weird combined sample. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mandate to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out for even further support in this mission. If something unusual happens in your town, let us know. And the best way to let us know is by sending a voice memo via nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Now, before we part tonight, I'm going to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, who supplies this series intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you listen on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and I maintain a full back catalog of nighttime episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep the show alive at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers, Tony, Jeff, Nicole, and Jenny. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone out there has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or would simply like to contribute a voice memo to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. Aaron and I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.